Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost? I am your host, Essanette. And I'm Stephen. And we are now on episode 10. Stephen, what are we talking about? I asked some fellow scout leaders to see if they have any ghost stories from the National Scout Campsite in Dublin Mountains. And I have one or two and today... I'm going to read the story of John Taylor, which was graciously given to us by the former warden of our jail, Damien O'Sullivan. Okay. You do realise if this scares the holy bejesus out of me, I probably won't go up with you. You have never been to Lairtail with me in the dark. No. Oh, why is it very different? It's dark. Probably one of the most darker routes is going from the car park entrance down to the campfire, especially when there's no campfire or there's just a dim bit of flames left and yeah. everybody else has gone away from the campfire. I'm sure Those, even in the, in the daytime, that's quite... It's, it's, it's over, covered. It's, it's covered over covered the trees. trees. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I shall read the story as best I can Crack and hopefully on. I'll do it justice. All right. The story of John Taylor, another ghost of Larch Hill. In 1954, the National Executive Board of CBSI decided that it was time to employ a warden to look after the national campsite at Larch Hill. Interviews were held and a man named John Taylor was appointed. Now John was deemed to be the perfect candidate because as a young man he travelled to the USA to join the Marines so he could help fight against the Nazi Germany in World War II. He had served with distinction in many battles and had landed on the Normandy beaches during the day. He went on to be one of the first troops to liberate the horrific Nazi death camp at Auschwitz. The horrific sights that he saw there deeply shocked him and he resolved that when he left the military he would work with young people to try and build a better future world. John arrived on the campsite in March, just before the start of the camping season. Scouts arriving back to the site after the winter months were surprised to see the new arrival. John was an impressive sight and his six tree tall frame towered over the young scouts. Soon though he became a familiar figure patrolling around the campsite, wearing his long heavy grey overcoat and sporting a big bushy beard. He also became a popular figure as he was always willing to enthrall the scouts with stories of his war adventures. He was generally a cheerful chap unless the scouts did something that would annoy him. Then he would bellow loudly at the scouts in a military way. Sadly, John's tenure as a warden was to be tragically short. During his very first winter, he was to be caught up in a freak snowstorm and he had a heart attack as he endeavoured to dig through the snow to get to Rathfarnham. After a week of heavy snow, a thaw set in and his body was found lying on the side of Clora Road. Everyone was very upset and sad. A funeral was arranged and the scouts came from throughout the country to say farewell to John who had gone home. Now the months passed and no new warden was appointed. It was a voluntary organisation and decisions took time. Some things don't change. In the meantime, a group of volunteers came together and formed a service team to help run the campsite at the weekend. They decided the group would be called Mehel which described a grouping of people who came together to give service to their community. Now, it was a cold winter's evening the following year that a most unusual incident occurred that left the Mehel staff on duty frightened and unsettled. It was a weekend early in December. The two duty Mehel staff members had arrived on site straight after work. They had travelled out from the city on the 47A bus from Hawkins Street. Travelling on the same bus was their only campus for the weekend, a patrol from Merchants Quay. They were pleased to see this as normally there were no trouble from the scouts in this group. Famous last words. They arrived on site and showed the patrol to the field where they would camp. It was due to be a cold frosty night so they advised the patrol leader to be quick in setting up camp and that if there were any problems to call down to the big house where they would be staying. 
The staff members withdrew to the old house and once they had lit the fire and ranged the kitchen they sat back and relaxed, certain that it wouldn't be a busy night, little did they know. They had just finished their last boundary walk off the campsite and other than noting it was quite foggy they retired to bed. No sooner than they had climbed into their sleeping bags they were disturbed by a loud banging on the door. The boat jumped out of the bed quickly dressed as the knocking on the door became more and more frantic. When they opened the door they were greeted by an ashen faced patrol leader who could barely speak. The staff listened intently to the stuttered words of the patrol leader and soon realised he was telling them that there was a man in the field with a camp. With great alacrity the staff ran to the field. At first they could see nothing untoward other than a strange grey mist floating over the field. Suddenly a tall dark grey shadow emerged from the mist and moved slowly towards them. They were aghast and could not believe what they were seeing. It looked for all intents and purposes like John Taylor. But this couldn't be, they thought. They had been at his funeral. They stood there amazed, not believing it could be John. That is until they heard him speak as he emerged from the mist. Pick up the stones, he said, and put them back. I'm fine, it's fine, everything's fine. Are you having a happy laugh over there? I'm not okay. <laughs> Are you scared or something? <laughs> They stood there amazed, not believing it could be John. That is until they heard him speak as he emerged from the mist. Pick up the stones, he said, and put them back. Pick up the stones, he said, and put them back. This was a phrase that both staff members had heard uttered by John Taylor when he was alive, and he was trying to get the scouts to return the stones they had taken from the walls on the drain road to build fireplaces. The staff stood back initially frightened, but one of them decided to reach down and grab a stone that was underfoot. No sooner had he done this than the figure looming ever closer to him disappeared. And that is why all members of the Mehel carry a stone in their pocket every time they do a night walk. Unless, of course, you wish to meet John Taylor. What did you think of that? Yeah, no. No, not for me. But not for me. Not for talk- me. I can't even read out half my notes because there's words in there that we're not allowed to have on this podcast. Oh. My God, I'm so I can grateful that for the we... listeners that there's some bad words. <laughs> I am face. so grateful that we got sent that story because I there's no way I would have found that out because all of my sources are you know pretty much anything that I can find on Google. But getting a story from like I love the Mahal staff and I actually have that written there. Mahal staff, they're amazing. But scary movies are scary, and then they're terrifying when it's written on the DVD box based on true events. That freaks me out even more. So the fact that it's like a an actual sighting like it's not i'm not sure this one meant a dvd i think it's only on as far as vhs <laughs> no but you know what i mean when something says it's based on true events you know it's an actual account that somebody is able to say i saw this yeah. not something you saw on google where this local galway man decided to tell people that he saw i don't know a puka like i just that's nope that's a whole lot of no- but that's that's amazing though all the stuff that he went through and then he still wanted to volunteer for something as let's be honest, treacherous as looking after kids on a campsite because they're all crazy. The minute they get a bit of fresh air, they're all mad. Yeah, they're nuts. Um, but yeah, the Nazi stuff, God, he went through the mill before he uh, he kind of settled down. Yeah. That's, that's madness. Uh, when was this based? 1954 was when CBSI, that's the Catholic Boy Scouts of Ireland, decided to employ a warden. It's not CB, CBSI anymore. There, there was CBSI, which is Catholic Boy Scouts of Ireland, and SAI, Scouting Associations of Ireland, and they merged into one organisation, which is now Scouting Ireland. Okay. But no, the, that makes more sense because I, d- I didn't know what CBSI was. Yeah, it, it did go from uh, 
CBSI to CSI for a while. It became <laughs> inclusive, so girls were allowed in the scouts. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Because otherwise they would have been in girl guides. They're still girl guides. And oh, they're yeah. Still, they're still part of the scouting umbrella, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and they still camp at Arch Hill. Uh, there was a um, competition, camping competitions between the counties and then the winners go on to national events. Um, but there was a, a girl guide troop that entered. Yeah. And they got training from one of the other local leaders in, in our county. Mm. And we were like, oh, you have to do better than the girl guides. Come on, everybody. And they, they would have won the thing only for they were visitors. So they couldn't actually accept the prize. Oh. But they were that good. So did you eat your words of you have oh, to do better? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, yeah, as long yeah. as I know you're humble in that way. I was, <laughs> I, I was humble that camp. Yes. But, uh, what yeah. other notes can I read here? Oh, I wrote cold night again, exclamation mark. And then I wrote, okay, okay, they have a fire. Because apparently that's going to keep everybody safe. And then I wrote F and fog. I well, the fire was the fog. The fire was in the, the metal lodge. Yeah. So it's not the house that on point that you had seen over there. Oh, which I've been in the timber built one. I don't think I've been in the, the timber built the glass one, windows. which is out the, on the, the way. The hanging to... stone that tells you the weather. Yes, that's, that is the metal lodge. Okay, I've been in that. I uh, haven't been in the big building behind And at that. one stage, that was longer than it is now. Oh. And there was lodges alongside it, so you so leaders could stay in and stuff. Right. Yeah, but they built a big pyramid now, which is the National Scouting Headquarters. That's the one that I haven't it's been a, in. It's a big fancy. That's quite it looks, impressive looking. It looks building. like they took the top of the square and tall it. <laughs> Maybe they did. Oh, well. The same yeah. designer, the same designer. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. And it's madness, though, because so many people send their kids off for scouts and it's just like they come back tough and you just don't know how. And that's why. They come back with a long stare or crying. Or a pocket full of stones. A pocket full of stones. That sounds stones? like a country song. A pocket <laughs> full of stones. Oh, that's crazy. I'm so glad we got that. that that's really amazing. That was a good story. I enjoyed that. That was a really good story. I like I like reading the scout stories because I've well, been, I long. I've been on justice. all of these. Yeah. I've been in all of these fields and I've walked all the paths for one reason or another making sure all scouts have gone to bed and stuff like that or else just oh, but large hill is pretty big i mean i went walkabouts on it and i still didn't cover i'd say a fifth the place is huge yeah. well if you if you look at the cub field where we were when we took the boys up to visit my old scout last month yeah so do you mind you remember how long that walk of the path is up and then when we walked up the field from the gate we only we maybe walked halfway up the field if even. And then you look at the size of that field compared to the other fields and look at the long winding road that leads out. Probably one of the darkest and scariest roads is when you get volunteered to go and pick the pizza up or the chips up. You are telling because me. There's a, li- there's there's actually, a little it's really cool. It's it's not quite a hut. It's kind of like a wooden bush shelter, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. built into the fence. So you, you come up and you'd always see a lot of ventures or our young leaders just kind of sitting there chilling out under this little small shelter that has a seat for them. So you don't have people. to go down on your own though, do you? Even in the height of summer, I'd still be kind of like, this no. is exactly when I would be murdered in the woods because no one would expect it. But you know what? You get used to it. And sometimes it's really nice. And when I used to sneak off for a smoke, the quiet long roads yeah. like that would be just be like, oh, this is this is That's not too bad then. Because mm. you're outside of the cubs and what what way does it go again? Like Cubs is the Beavers, Cubs, Beavers, Scouts, Ventures, Leaders. Yeah, I will eventually get you. I, I will have to learn it. I think the most frightening part for me, because I didn't read this story. I know it's it's in my Grammarly account, but I didn't read it because 
Remember at the beginning I said to you, what makes an already scary story somewhat more terrifying is not knowing the details. So when I don't know what's going on and you're reading this out and all the information is new to me, I know nothing. I've never even heard of this story yeah. before. That's what makes it scarier yeah. for me. And then obviously the fog. Fog freaks me out. I wonder now, and if there's any metal staff listening, you might drop us a message and tell us do you still carry a stone around in your pocket? Do you? Well, you're no, not I'm not metal staff. How many were there the day that you did the campfire? Because that seat and ground was packed and then the hills coming down onto it were packed probably three to four hundred uh, in and around i can't even imagine what 600 scouts look it's like. like that but just twice <laughs> yeah. no the, the staff do a great job they're amazing anything else you'd like to know about this story of john uh, taylor no because the the last thing there that i had wrote was the stones so a lot of that kind of stuff feeds into superstition and see a lot of people would be like ah sure i don't believe in the fairies but like don't don't annoy the fairies it's like you believe in stuff or you don't believe in stuff but even people who don't and who aren't superstitious will still go a black cat just walked past me oh make sure you have a stone in your pocket because like it's it's crazy the little things that Mm. are just ingrained into you from a really young age it's like you hear these stories and immediately you're like okay so how do i fix that how do i combat that what do i do if i meet the banshee and it's i i can't walk across four shores no me neither kevin Kevin win if you're listening (laughs) when we were in scouts and we went on a scout trip to galway and he pushed me onto the onto a road and said, you nearly walked on, on four shores. I saved your life. By nearly pushing you out in front of a truck. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to this day, I still can't walk over four shores. I don't if I'm walking the boys up the road, there's four shores at the end of the, the boulevard. Yeah. And I, I, the, the buggy and me, we go into the mud. <laughs> or if it's raining, you just walk through the shopping centre. That's the one beside the underground It's on the way. Park, no, it? it's not. It's on the way. It's on the end of the boulevard. So I run around it. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, I wasn't aware of that one. Thanks for telling me about that one. That's great. I just told one of the scariest t- stories I've ever told. And telling Annette where the four shores were <laughs> got, better, got a stronger scared reaction than any. <laughs> no, but sure. Um, I'll probably I'll probably edit it out, but then I won't edit this out. There was a stage where Stephen had said, John Taylor started shouting, pick up the stones. I put my hand on Stephen's shoulders to say, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> And then we had to do that bit all over again because he was like, are you okay? Should I keep going? I, I um, tried to do it in the tone that I would have done with my scouts. But, but it's that's just like, it. You have, to, you have like, to have that. It's not quite angry, but it's assertive, but it's loud and everybody knows, okay, I better turn left. I better turn right. I better stand at alert now. So you have that kind of tone. You do that with the boys. I don't know if you realise that. You, you Do you know the way you're supposed to use a more assertive tone when you're trying to train a dog? Yes. You do that with the kids. <laughs> Oh, you're not laughing. Are you doing it on purpose? I'm trying to remember the last time I shouted Scalacci. Today. Oh. <laughs> Today. Yes. Oh, stop. Right. Have you anything? No, that's that's my, my... It's me. I don't think I can read out any of my... Um... No, probably shouldn't. No, probably no. shouldn't. I think so I might burn we, uh, that piece of paper, we, actually. We exit jingle. I think we shall. Oh, no, hang on. We have to do the rest of it first. Oh, yes. If you have any personal stories you would like to send to us, our email is whatsthestoryghost at gmail.com. Any recommendations or comments on today's episodes or any other episodes, you can DM us on our Instagram Instagram page at whatsthestoryghost. And we shall see you next time. We don't see people. We're on the radio. I see all people. Exit, (laughs) Jane.